0: Water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the streak It doesn't
1: Back to the Clemson podcast. Clemson are your defending national champions. Kirby Spartz, stylist at Great Clips, will be using a smaller bowl this week. Clemson is six and zero, and despite dropping a spot in the AP poll, life is good. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Nick. Joined tonight by Ben. We are here to break down the Tigers' victory over Florida State and talk about the landscape of college football here through the seventh week of the season. Um, ben, it is good to be back on the airwaves with you.
0: How's it going? Uh, Doing good, man. I'm glad to be on here talking to somebody other than Cody for once. And uh, yeah, great win against Florida State. It's just what the doctor ordered. I think we were all anxious to see how this team was going to respond. I think we had our expectations that they would respond well, having been in this scenario in the past, albeit a little bit earlier in the season uh, than we've seen. But they bounced back. They came out. Uh, They played with a sense of urgency and i was really happy of what i saw and pretty much uh, both sides of the ball everything but special teams
1: yeah i fully agree i think it was it was the type of game where i don't think any of us are surprised seeing that type of effort that type of result again pointing to what we've seen in the past coming off either a loss or a really close call um just from this team and responding i think you also could read the tea leaves a little bit from some of the press quotes from Dabo, some of the players some of the introspection that they had so while it wasn't necessarily surprising, certainly great to see, you know, see with our own eyes. Um, if this game had been a little closer throughout, I think you might have seen or we, we might have felt a little bit of panic and kind of would be compelled to reevaluate a little bit the ceiling of this team. But for me, for you, I imagine we're right back to kind of where we were a season expectations and the North Carolina game just was one of those one of those aberrations. Right.
0: Yeah, I think the team obviously lacked focus in that game when you went back and and you know took a second look. But hey, you got to give North Carolina credit. I really think that they're probably a pretty decent football team, and uh, the the year is going to play out, and, and we'll see how they respond They beat Georgia Tech yesterday. And we could very possibly you know meet them again in the ACC championship game. So so be on the lookout for that. But, yeah, just a, just a great bounce-back week. You had all the kind of drama in the media that, you know, it was Dabo looking for something, and, you know, people gave it to him. So um, he was able to play off that. I think the drop in the polls was an obvious thing, although I'm not. I'm, I'm more um, miffed at the drop in the poll this week than I was uh, after the close win against USC. The announcers in the game called it a loss. Um, yeah. Let's get, <laughs> in,
1: let's get into that when we talk about the kind of landscape of the of the sport right now or other games that went on this weekend. But I mean, my first reaction is like who cares right now about the eight people,
0: but yeah, it's, and it's, it's ridiculous to think that an undefeated Clemson team would get left out of the college football playoff. Like it's just not going to happen. We have to be reasonable here.
1: Well, like basically with that, I mean, you could point to an example that we've got of just like, you know, defending national champ sleepwalking happens to make it through undefeated, but has a lot of close calls. That's not Clemson right now, and I think Florida State was um, kind of people are sick of Florida State at that point, and they're the stuff going on with Javis Winston off the field um I just don't see, and they still let Florida state in like that Florida State team. they had a lot of other reasons why they might have been able to leave that that team out,
0: and we're getting compared out. to that team a lot uh
1: I think we are by like not <laughs> I don't know not people saying that comment in good faith or people i don't know kind of the pundits right the
0: yeah talking they, head yeah they're trying to to create something where there's nothing just to have something to talk about
1: yeah for sure so i mean i don't know like if that helps Dabo on some level kind of build build up a chip on this team's shoulders you know after 21 straight victories great whatever it takes but i'm not buying into it i, I hope our listeners aren't either
0: um no, well, it's like even when I when I when the AP poll came out today and we had dropped down to number three with LSU jumping us, it was like okay, thanks. Like you just okay. handed yeah. us, you handed Dabo something else to get the team motivated about. So, yeah, and
1: yeah. let's put it this way: that's not going to stop. Like, there's not there, at no point is someone going to be like, oh, a lot of legitimate wins all of a sudden on Clemson's schedule. Like, you know, I don't know unless unless you're right, North Carolina does turn into world beaters the rest of the way. Like, I just think you know that the narrative is going to go, you should have beat someone bigger than you did. And if it was too close, you know, you're not befitting of a top, top ranking. So you're damned if you do, you damned if you don't, if you're Clemson this year, I think just keep taking care of business. If we run the table, we're not getting left out and that's it. Um, You know, we can talk a little bit about, does Clemson need style points? Do we need uh, a ranked team like South Carolina to be, to be ranked by the time we play that and then to stay ranked? Uh, for strength of schedule purposes i kind of feel like that's only the case if we drop a game absolutely right and then if we drop a game and you know uh, you could you could probably then argue does clemson belong in the in the playoff but i still think we would be among the top four best teams in the country at that point
0: exactly i'm not i'm not buying into that narrative either that even one loss now if that one loss comes maybe closer to the end of the season it could affect us more but I still think there's a pathway forward listen those other teams that are ranked right around us are going to play other good football teams there hasn't been a lot of those big games yet Um, they started to come along and we started to see some teams drop LSU Florida uh from yesterday being an example of that but who's alabama played and that's the the thing that gets me too about lsu's jumping the polls i'm kind of fine with them jumping us but like what's your argument for for them not jumping alabama who's alabama beaten this year
1: yeah that that's what i was gonna su- suggest or say is like i i actually feel like lsu is the number one team right now by by merit if you're gonna rank them ahead of us you have to put them yeah. number one like basically you're the only viable argument for alabama at number one was you you thought they and Clemson were basically equals. You didn't like the North Car- what you saw in the North Carolina game, and you decided to move them ahead. Like you said earlier, like little less surprising it happened over the bye week, but like after this week, I mean, Texas A and M put up a ton of yards and points on Alabama's defense. That um, they're not the number one team in the country, and I think it should be LSU.
0: And it's fine for the number one position to be fluid as we go throughout the year. You know, teams are going to look differently at different stages of the season. It really is how you kind of all put it together uh, at the end, as we've seen uh, specifically with Clemson the last couple of years. Um, so the LSU thing, it doesn't bother me at all. And listen, I think at the end of the year that you're going to look back on their win over Texas and Florida. And those may look like two pretty pedestrian wins. Yeah, it could be the case. Um, well, have to I see think- how Florida and Texas does uh, from here on out. Yeah. Down the stretch
1: for sure. I mean, I, those will not factor into whether or not LSU makes it, it will be, can they win the West? Can they beat Alabama? And then if they happen to make it through that, can they beat Georgia or Florida or whoever makes it Mizzou, whoever makes it out of sec East Um, more so than probably the like week, week two or week one. And then like week six matchup. Yeah. Um, So anyway, but let's take it back to Clemson, Florida state. I mean, You know, you're right. Great bounce back win here. Um, Florida State, despite the state of their program, I will never tire of taking it to the Knolls. commented so many times with friends over the weekend how how far they've fallen, how weird it is to have always questioned, like, will we ever get over on them and beat Florida State, let alone be perceived as their equals. Never dreamed we'd be in this position winning five in a row against them. Um, But that's what happens when, you know, you – you have better coaching and Dabo talked about they out-recruited us. What four of the five last years, maybe that's true. I think really it's a matter of fit, Uh, but certainly from a development standpoint, Clemson is light years ahead of Florida state.
0: Well, yeah. And they had the, listen, they had the coaching turnover um, Taggart coming into a difficult situation. So they may have out-recruited us, but are all those players still around? They have to go back and look at that. Um, and, you know, thanks to Jimbo Fisher, he's responsible for uh, four of our wins out of the last two seasons, um, two against Texas A&M and two against Florida State with the mess he left there. Yep. Um, so it's just it's just really weird. It's kind it's fun, uh, but it's weird playing a Florida State team that is so down and that we're just absolutely crushing. Like, I yeah, I, I, I agree with you that it's. Um, it's odd to be the feeling of uh, being in the position Florida State was, just kind of looking down at everybody in the ACC. But we're kind of getting used to that. And even in those days, Clemson was somewhat competing. But to just have them not compete at all is just very unusual. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I you'd have to go
1: back and you'd be surprised with what ACC teams were competing for You know, the top of the conference at that point. This was kind of like like the pre-Virginia Tech Miami days. And then after they showed up, Virginia Tech certainly had its, its – time leading the conference but um yeah maybe what i wanted to say was i hope they make it back i mean i hope they're not eliminating us from playoff contention but it's just a lot more fun when this game means something or means a bit more or has a little bit of intrigue to it um i mean i'll take i'll take the win i'll take the 31 point win but um it would be a lot a lot more fun when it's closer right
0: well and the acc honestly needs them to come back and be a good football team the acc is horrible you know wake forest goes down over the weekend virginia loses as well um, to miami so the, the acc is struggling right now um you know top to bottom outside of clemson there's really not a really good football team out there um and it does hurt the conference perception it does lead to all this talk about clemson whether or not where they they deserve to be ranked. So it's, it is good when your conference, um, is, is playing better, um, and not the worst in the land. what maybe it's, is it the ACC versus the PAC 12, um, possibly the big 12 from is, is very top heavy.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I, I haven't really studied the landscape right now to see sort of what records are, what records look like outside of conference play for for each team. Um, I don't know. I've seen a few things that indicate the ACC is not that much farther ahead than the American conference, uh, the so-called power six conference um, from the group of five, but I don't know. I mean, there's only so much Clemson can do though. Right. And it's not like we're taking players away from our ACC brethren. Maybe you could say that we are from Florida state and I would agree with that, but um, here and there we have from, I guess, the likes of the North Carolina schools, but we're just recruiting at a different stratosphere against the likes of Alabama, Ohio state kind of national programs. Um, so it's not like, I mean, it, I don't know. It's not like Clemson is the the reason that these other schools are struggling. It's no. that, you know, wherever they are, their coaches just are not getting it done. And I don't know. It's, it's strange.
0: Yeah. Because you have teams like Florida state and Miami recruiting well, right. So, um, we're probably lacking in those teams that, um, would fall in the the kind of 11 to 20, 11 to 30 range um, in the recruiting ranking. So I think that is one area where the ACC is falling short. But there's a, a handful of teams that are recruiting at a high level, and so you would expect better output.
1: Right, exactly. Um, and that does go back to coaching. So um, I don't know. I mean, what are your impressions so far after we're basically a year and a half into the Willie Taggart era – Um, That was one of the things I actually said in some of our season preview shows where I was like, one of the biggest things I'm going to look for from a macro lens kind of middle term is what's the state of the Florida State program after bowl season this year? And uh, we'll see. I mean, if Florida State can beat Wake this uh, coming week, they'll likely be on a path to bowl eligibility. If they don't, they might have a tricky path to that. And uh, I don't know that you've seen enough from player development or how the program's being run to feel like Willie Taggart has definitely been a good hire for them. I don't know that they'll move on from him after just the second year, but who knows? Um, they, they also have some financial implications that they can't just, you know, brush him aside that quickly. They're, they're hurting for money at Florida state. So I don't know, kind of what are your impressions so far?
0: Um, well, you know, it's been kind of up and down for them so far this year. Um, obviously, the the two losses early in the season. Um, but then they did bounce back against uh, Louisville and NC State, getting some big wins there. So, I mean, it's the story is uh, the book is yet to be completely written here on uh, his tenure there. He could very well uh, fail to make a bowl game this year, and they can him. Uh, the boosters are just yelling too loud. Uh, that the administration has to do something. But at the same time, there's a lot of opportunity. Like, I think if he uh, makes a bowl game and maybe doesn't even need to win the bowl game, it might show some progress there. Um, I think a bowl win would keep him. And even a win against Florida, like that in and of itself uh, in Gainesville would be enough, I think, to keep him there. But I think it is walking a fine line and he does have a shorter leash than most coaches would in their second year.
1: Yeah, I think also, I mean, the Kendall Kendall Bryle's hire... Seeing how that continues to progress and work out, and how they manage through their quarterback situation, we'll talk about that when we hit on the defense in this game. Um, I think how that coaching decision ages to bring in Kendall Bryles, can they get to the offense to a place where that looks like good progress? Um, I think that'll largely tell the story of this season for them and give you a little bit of an indicator for confidence in Taggart, um, but. Yeah, I I am with you. Story's story's st- still unwritten. I think he'll get at least another season if I had to bet at this point.
0: Well, and didn't he um did he uh, replace the defensive coordinator after the Louisiana Monroe game?
1: Not certain. It's a good question.
0: Um, yeah, did they go to somebody anyway. uh, well, <laughs> well, Levitt was uh, brought in. Yeah, that was about yeah, a month right. ago, so Yeah. That's right. They're running Jim Levitt, right? Yeah. So, I mean, starting to make moves like that, at least he's making the executive decisions when he sees something is, when he sees something wrong. But I think all that kind of indicates a little bit of uneasiness with the the way he feels about his position there as well.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Um,
1: But that's the kind of move like Dabo had to make back in the day. And I'm not suggesting that Taggart is poised for a Dabo, like rise to prominence after that. Jim Levitt is not Brent Venables, for instance. And it's not, I mean, you could kind of say Kendall Bryles. Yeah, nobody is. I mean, you could kind of say Kendall Bryles gives you a little bit of the Chad Morris look of bringing in a dynamic kind of forward thinking offensive mind. But um, again, (laughs) there's really two things that are keeping this Florida state team from greatness and from the progress that their fans want. And that is their offensive line and their quarterback. And I know we probably we should pivot to talking about this matchup specifically, but I think both of those units really let this team down. And it's not that they let them down. It's that Clemson's players, both from a talent standpoint and a, just team, you know, team togetherness and what Brent Venables brought, um, really exploited this as a lesser football program at this point.
0: Yeah, and who's going to be their quarterback next year?
1: Good question. Uh, I am not up to speed. I I'm pretty sure that they've got a transfer who's had to sit this year. I'm not, not sure where he came from. And then you hope they're focused on recruiting this position. They did not recruit a quarterback this season. So like you would think they would have potentially a true freshman there. that They'd be grooming, developing, trying to get into the games here and there and spot spot minutes, but not the case because they didn't recruit somebody.
0: Yeah, they, they've got they've got four freshman quarterbacks on their roster right now, so um, gonna have I guess to they, be had Sam
1: Howell, they had Sam Howell that they thought they were gonna have, and he he,
0: right. he went to
1: North Carolina, right? Well,
0: I guess, I guess Blackman he, is just a redshirt sophomore.
1: Yeah, so I just think, man, if he's your guy next year, and again, he can continue to develop and take leaps, but it just seems. I don't know. I would think that would be a bit of a recruiting failure if you're if you're rolling with Blackman for basically a third year. So Ben, uh, obviously we touched a little bit on the defense there in Florida State's offense, but let's let's take it back to summarizing this game a bit. Um, really, we hit it on at the start. Clemson came out firing, very aggressive. Approach to this game plan and approach to the game from what we saw from the players. And I think that was something we were looking for. Uh, some of the narratives coming in were that we'd seen a vanilla offense for most of the, the games thus far in the year, particularly against North Carolina. Not a ton of adjustments in that game. Um, you heard some of the chatter about Trevor Lawrence having an MRI on his shoulder. We saw in a couple games uh, the run defense get gashed. Uh, so a few things were building to the point where I would a few things I was looking for in this game and wanted to see. And the biggest thing really was aggressiveness and fire from the players. And I think we got that.
0: Yeah. So I guess we want to start on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I, I think um, you heard Dabo kind of took control of this offense in the bye week had uh, had uh, talking with the coaches and just wanted us to be more aggressive and throwing some balls downfield and also getting the ball into Etienne's hands more. And you, you really saw that right from the get-go uh, with the aggressive start to the uh, uh with aggressive play calling to start the game you know you had that deep ball to t on the first play and then he, the et and pass to ross um you go forward on forcing goal from the three you know an all total six play 75 yard drive so way to i mean that's just a great job of setting the tone for the game and for the offense in particular um, and they just kept carrying on after that
1: and like think about the guys you mentioned got the best playmakers going from the start right You know, that wrinkle with ETN is amazing, but we saw Justin Ross highly featured in this game and passed to T Higgins right away. Got Trevor Lawrence moving. Um, So there's plenty to unpack here from this offensive performance. But, yeah, I love what I saw from the start. I think Dabo getting involved is probably needed. And I have a feeling that that sent a message to Tony Elliott throughout the game as well.
0: Yeah, and really good to see um, Justin Ross step up after T went down and, and lead this team in receiving yards and with a couple touchdowns on the day. But you know, all in all, 552 yards of total offense—not a lot to complain about there, especially when you pull the starters um, for the most part partway through the third quarter. Um, 320 yards on the ground. ETN got it going. He had a he had a great day. 31 first downs for this offense. That was a sight for sore, sore eyes. They held the ball for nearly. 40 minutes that's two-thirds of the game that's just an astounding stat Uh, running 91 plays after I think it was like 50 or something we ran last week and I think uh, Dabo mentioned they tend to like to be in the 80 range or so per game so um, all those numbers pointing in the right direction for Clemson and you know you saw it play out on the field Um, and so it's not surprising to see that agreed I
1: think um, very few things that you could you could – very few nits to pick after this one on offense. Um, you know, and I think, too, what's really nice, you talk about the aggressiveness on the first couple series, but it just felt like there was a more varied – more more variety to not just the play calling, I guess. It's kind of a, a surface-level observation. But I was seeing more, like, pre-snap motion. I was seeing a lot more – Yeah activity over the middle of the field like you finally saw deandre overton get some looks which is great um a little bit of tight end action i mean i guess if you got 91 snaps um and you had to look up the attempts and um, passing but good to see more distribution of the ball and look like florida state their defense did not put up the type of performance that north carolina's did but i still feel like this is this is because clemson wanted to do that and they they prioritized um getting more guys involved in the passing game and love to see that love to see deandre everton he dropped a sure touchdown hit him in the hands i don't think he was ready for it um i'm gonna chalk that up to rust but other other than those kind of things uh, it was an awesome day
0: yeah i mean it was all about the the things that uh, that clemson improved upon both in the players and the way they played the game and then in the play calling you mentioned all that eye candy that was going on in the backfield and overton being in motion a couple times uh he was in motion on that fake toss to etn that resulted in a uh, Lawrence running it for the t- uh, second touchdown of the game, I believe. You had uh, Mari Rogers touchdown on the double reverse. Yeah, yeah that was uh, great. You saw a lot more passes across the middle by Trevor Lawrence. Um, I don't think I saw one wide receiver screen <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and, in entire the entire game. Right, right. I really didn't. I, I really didn't see it. You know, they rolled the running backs out, and then you know, got Amari uh, behind some blockers. But instead of it being a screen that was a pass behind the line of scrimmage, like Amari set up like two or three yards downfield and didn't win forward. So that was much more effective in this game.
1: Absolutely. Um, And again, you talk about the abundance of options. Uh, Amari Rogers continues to just be so consistent, so reliable. Uh, Feel great for him about his recovery still. And just he turned on the afterburners on that touchdown on the double reverse. Um, So, yeah, just to... A stellar offensive performance Um, outside of, I guess, two plays that we should call out here. Um, I'll start with the beef package (laughs) 2.0. I think we had uh, Niles Pinckney in at tight end or kind of the H back. Tyler Davis was a fullback. And then we handed the ball to Xavier Thomas as a basically a halfback option. Uh,
0: Davis was actually the tight end lined up in that position. And then uh, uh, was it Pinckney was the fullback. And then Logan Rudolph was on the opposite end of the line. I mean, all, for an, all for not. <laughs> was that on a fourth down? Yes, that was a fourth and goal.
1: Is that, I swear Thomas didn't actually fumble it. I thought he was down before the ball came out. But either way, did not go as planned. I wonder how many times they've actually practiced that play. But um, I don't know. It was great when we were doing it with the, the Power Rangers. But, you know, nice to mix those wrinkles in, I guess. get some Get some reps. But I think those guys are too precious on defense to be out there putting themselves at risk
0: i don't know i love to see it for the first time and yes it didn't turn out like the the way you wanted it to but i think what it really comes down to for me i would actually like to see us not need all four downs to punch a ball in at the goal line which we still continue to struggle with a little bit
1: yeah like try that one on second down and then if we're actually and again the game was well in hand at that point but um, yeah no you're definitely right like should have been able to punch it in before we needed a fourth down conversion and i'm not sure why the b package was used as such but anyway it's fine um the other unfortunate play was uh, trevor lawrence trying to make something out of nothing and throwing the pick amazing interception got to tip my hat to Dean even though um he continued to have a bit of a i don't know i guess a bit of words with trevor lawrence uh, they got into it a year ago i don't know if you remember that but um he, he had a I think he got ejected for a hit on Trevor Lawrence last year. Uh, TL put him in an arm bar before they got separated and Nazaldin was ejected. But um, anyway, good pick, terrible throw by Trevor. Should have just sailed it into the stands.
0: Yeah, and it wasn't just that. It was just the turnovers in general still continue to be an issue. Um, I guess they're only giving us two turnovers on the game. So that XT run at the goal line, they must have just called him down. I suppose yeah, because the Lynn J the Lynn the Dixon fumble was clearly right. a Fumble. Right. So you had yeah, that in yeah. Trevor's interception. So, you know, we could still stand to clean that up. I think the the fumbles from the running backs are continue to be a little bit concerning. So, um, but you know, it, and it is the small things, especially when you play a tighter game that really um, matter. And so you like to see those areas cleaned up. Um, but let's let's talk about the things that they did do right and approve upon they were much more effective on first down in this game etn was picking up chunk yardage um Mm -hmm. trevor was throwing some shorter routes to wide receivers that picked up four or five yards or so so that was a great improvement it really set us up uh, to be in better position on second and third downs
1: yep absolutely um haven't looked at the kind of success rate stats from this game yet but uh overall yeah, we, were,
0: just, we, we were only five of 16 on third down so that is usually generally like to be around 50 percent
1: yeah for sure um although florida state was even worse i think they were like two of 13 yeah with four 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 turnovers on third down um uh, <laughs> that's not great uh but anyway no yeah um good to see that early down efficiency and again you chalk that up to play calling improvement and just guys getting after it um, hitting their spots. And, um, I thought ETN had a vintage ETN game this time, um, wasn't expecting a ton from the linebackers from Florida state, just based on where they are, uh, from a depth and tenure standpoint, but, um, yeah, good stuff. Well, it was
0: it was even better. It was better than vintage with his uh, improved pass protection in this game. He did a really good job. He had a great block on that slant to Ross for the third touchdown of the game. But Quacken Tiger had a over shaking the Southland had an article last week, kind of looking ahead to Florida State, but also summing up the North Carolina game and a couple of the areas that he pointed out as being weaknesses uh, was the pressure that opposing teams were getting up the middle. And a lot of that had to do with the center play of of Pollard and then also ETN pass blocking, and was not a problem in this game. So great to see improvement there. I know Florida State, uh, they had some questions at linebacker coming into this year, but they've got a good defensive line. You know, they've got talent there. I know one of their starters, what was his name, Robinson, I think, uh, had had to sit the first half. Um, But still good to see those things improved upon.
1: Yeah, for sure. So you know, overall, I think the the forty five points Clemson definitely left some on the on the scoreboard. Uh, if chalk some of that up to the substitutions hitting in the third quarter, chalk some of it up to turnovers or kind of lack of aggressiveness, the team being good settling. I think you probably could have seen Clemson get into the upper sixties or seventies. No big deal, no need to do that. Um, got the got the win, covered the point spread, and. Uh, looked really good here. Any other observations, Ben, on the offense before we flip it over?
0: Well, I think Trevor Lawrence in general, you know, all the chatter um, uh, over the last couple weeks about whether he was off this year or there was the health with his his shoulder M- MRI. But um, another thing Quacking Tiger pointed out was he wasn't doing a good job at checking down and he was really tending to lock on to his man, his his first read. Uh, here on the early going, he did much better in this game. He was very efficient on the day, even had that throw and the catch to himself. <laughs> um, and, he can, he, you know, and his, regarding his throws, he rolled out on a, on a few and threw on the run uh, a couple times, had some great throws across the middle, um, he checked down once to Rogers cutting across and hit him with a perfect throw, followed that up by hitting Ross on a slant to go up 28 nothing. So um, really saw a lot and of improvement. Ball. Yeah, he You're ran the ball. Really ball. Well. Really well, 40 yards and a touchdown. He's averaging five yards a rush this year. That's up from one yard a rush last year. Uh, to make a comparison, two is only averaging two yards a carry this year.
1: Yeah, and, and in addition, I feel like Trevor is a lot tougher than, than Tua, certainly, and can take those shots and continue to bounce back. Um, and Luke Price, I want to call him out. He's a tight end that generally is in on blocking detail. If I'm an opposing D.C. and I see Luke Price in there, you're pretty much assured you're going to see Trevor Lawrence run the ball. Now, whether anyone can do anything about that is another question, but um, Luke Price seems to be always the guy that throws the right block to spring Trevor Lawrence free for a few few extra yards. And they're usually to – touchdowns.
0: Yeah, and the thing is about those Trevor Lawrence runs, they're usually pretty crucial runs, whether it's to get a first down or to score a touchdown or even to pick up five yards on first down um so whatever it is if it's luke price that is the the thing that's helping spring all of those it's it's working
1: yeah and it's i mean it, you could tell yourself like we don't want to see trevor put in harm's way but to your point these are critical and moving moving the game in the direction it needs to uh, and the kid can take the hits so uh, the mri doesn't really concern me too much again you know don't want him to be making foolish runs and putting himself truly in harm's way but um, he can take a hit. That's kind of what we've proven
0: so far. And one last thing about the offense with the running backs, you know, Lynn Jay looked good, had some good runs in this game, although he did have the fumble, but Chesma Lucy seems to have moved up the depth chart to that third string running back position. And he ran well in this game. So it's interesting to see that depth chart kind of start to um, position itself and start to see a guy like him rise. And I think even Mikey Dukes came in ahead of uh, Darian Rencher
1: yeah, that is interesting. Um, I mean, I don't know to keep it kind of with the the depth chart. Um, do you think Lynn J Dixon had a good game? I mean, I feel like outside of his fumble, which is obviously easy to to re- recall or remember, um, you know he continues to be pretty reliable. He's not quite getting the type of stack box treatment that etN is, but still um, solid season,
0: yeah, and some tough runs
1: exactly. Cool. Well, uh, let's flip it to the defense, Ben. So we mentioned the time of possession. I think largely that it's not like Clemson was grinding out, you know, eight, nine minute drives throughout the day. I think it was generating a lot. It was as much attributed to once more a stellar defensive performance from Brent Brent Venable's unit. Um, And Florida State's offense kind of playing suit and playing their role as pretty inept here. Um, Florida State ran; it looks like 58 plays on the day to Clemson's 91, and they were a lot less efficient. Um, only I believe I said three of 12 on third down, Ben, and um, just could not really get the running game going at all. Cam Akers, I think we've we've for a long time since he's come on campus there looked to him as kind of the the Dalvin Cook uh, successor, if you will. He only averaged 3.8 yards of carry and 34 yards. Uh, He wasn't even their leading rusher. That was uh, Laybourne over there at Florida State. So um, I think across the board, Clemson still has not allowed a 100-yard rusher, Um, four and a half yards of carry from Florida State. I think knowing coming into the season and what we saw in North Carolina, we were a bit concerned about the rushing defense um, of this team. But that was
0: not an area that Florida State really exploited on Saturday. Didn't the guy for UNC Charlotte rush for over 100? That's a good question. I feel like he did. I don't think he at North Carolina did, but no, he only rushed for uh, 81 yards. Um, and yet we still felt that was an issue. Uh, no, I mean, the defense only gave up 10 first downs on the day. That's an amazing stat. Um, Seminoles didn't even have a, take a, have a play on Clemson's side of the field until less than three minutes left in the game. Yeah, it's
1: crazy. Um, and we we mentioned earlier, they rotated in the stable of Alex Hornibrook and James Blackman throughout the game. Both guys were throwing picks. Uh, Blackman had two, Hornibrook the one. Um, my favorite play was when Blackman was scrambling, saw Isaiah <laughs> Simmons closing down on him, and just basically freaked out and ran straight beeline to the, the sideline. Um,
0: so there was there was that that was absolutely hilarious and then it was earlier where isaiah simmons chased down Hornibrook prior to that um not allowing him to throw it away it looked like Hornibrook had all the time in the world to throw it away and he just didn't pull the trigger and isaiah came out of nowhere and got him
1: yeah yeah yet again yet another amazing performance gotta give the defensive game ball to to simmons um what a masterpiece of a season he's putting together uh I don't know. There's a, there are a lot of game balls or accolades to go around in this game. Um, the interceptions were all spectacular. Uh, Tanner Muse gets the award for interception dance of the week. That,
0: <laughs> that was, was awesome. so great.
1: And uh, Kendrick, great to see him get his first uh, touchdown as a Tiger um, in glorious fashion. Um, what's the name? Uh, Qu- Qu- Quackenbush. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. He he does a show on the Roar. He was saying you kinda of had to see it live, but um apparently Kayvon Wallace, who earned a taunting penalty earned an unsportsmanlike like penalty on, on the pick six return, had an amazing taunt of whoever whoever he was directing that toward. Wish I could have seen that. But uh, what was the what was the taunt? I don't know. I think it it was uh I'm not sure. Actually I haven't heard. That's why I want to see it. But uh good well, go story, back, go- I guess, for
0: Go back and take a look at that, and then Isaiah Simmons when he uh he chased yeah. down Blackman there. Well, they the both got thing. the one, the flag. Yeah,
1: the Wallace thing wasn't on the broadcast. That's the only thing. Gotcha. So if we had a end zone cam or something, maybe we could see it. Um, but anyway, yeah, amazing performance throughout. Um, uh, not to be not to be forgotten, Chad Smith also had an interception, which was which was great to see from him. Uh, but across the board, I mean, I think just this is a, a matter of. Uh, a better coached unit and a more talented unit going up against an offensive line. That's still, I mean, certainly I think they're improved from what they were a year ago, uh, but without a very consistent signal caller under center, um, this offense struggled and they they couldn't really be consistent um, early on in, in drives. And that sort of played out in some of the stats you already mentioned, Ben, Uh, the 14 points on the Florida state side came in the second half really when we had our you could call it the third string even um throughout some of the secondary um come into play. Mike Jones got beaten on that that long draw or on that long pass and catch on first down from Hornybrook to Terry. Um Terry looked impressive. I'm kind of scratching my head why they didn't try to get him the ball more. Uh,
0: well probably again, he was he was locked down by uh Tyrell.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly why. So um I don't know, not much more we can say about the defense other than they once more stuck it to them.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, listen, they dominated a bad offensive line like we should have, and that's what you want to see. Um, so that's the most you can ask out of those guys. So I, I think uh, the last couple of games in the rush defense, especially up the middle, uh, there was a little bit of concern, but it was much better in this game. Um, James Skalski played well from the linebacker position. He was in there in a lot of good hits. and And then overall for me, I continue to be impressed by the great closing speed and tackling by our secondary unit. They're really uh, helping lead this team as the defensive line kind of kind of comes along. The linebackers uh, start to get their, their feet under them.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, something I, I do want to go back and rewatch this game just to take a look at some of the pressure that we were able to get without generating a blitz or without using the blitz. And then what the blitz percentage was in this game. Uh, just in general. And again, this is against the Florida state offensive line. I'm not sure you can kind of scale that forward to any future opponents, uh, but that is something that is something to look at for this team. Uh, we're continuing to get guys reps. Uh, Logan Rudolph played a bunch. You had Xavier Kelly. Um, he ended up with two tackles. Uh, so we are starting to see some of the, I guess, like further down the depth chart or the into the two D those guys continue to get reps in these, Games where Clemson's got a big lead, which is nice because uh, I think there's, they're still searching for that perfect combo of guys that could generate pressure without, without blitzing.
0: Yeah, I think so. And listen, I mean, we're playing a lot with only three down linemen and relying on our safeties and uh, linebackers to come in on a blitz sometimes. So at the very I mean, we're going to blitz four guys. I mean, we're going to rush four guys, and whether that's three defensive linemen and um, somebody, a linebacker, or a safety. Um, so I guess you would consider those blitzes, but you know you're still rushing four guys at minimum there. But for, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I love the the, the switching scheme this year. It's really working well. I can continue to uh, wonder whether or not it teams get tape, uh, continue to get more tape on this defense if that's going to have an effect on things. But I think Venable's has been creative enough, and and there's been enough variables and moving parts to this defense that for the most part nobody's really been able to to solve the the puzzle yet.
1: Yeah, I think the one thing that you know the the big stat coming into through through this part of the year that has been called out, and I actually listened to the nollcast preview of this game, um, they actually referenced some research David Hale had done, uh, just about like Clemson's pressure rate is down this year, and their blitz rate is way up. And when you kind of put those things together, it means that they do need to send those guys from the secondary or the back seven in to generate their pressure, and then what. What does that do to the remaining secondary? Now, to your point, Ben, if you're only doing – if you only have three down linemen, then you've got eight generally. In the, it's the back eight. So maybe there isn't as much of a numbers disadvantage then. And I think the secondary is improved this year and is able to, to bend and not break. Um, I think that, that theory will be put to the test against more prolific offenses like in Oklahoma, like in LSU apparently they've got a really good passing offense this year. So I'm just curious, like which, which offenses that remain on our schedule will be indicators. And it's not like they're going to be indicators of what an LSU or an OU are going to give you, but more like, you know, are they going to challenge a little bit the, um, how much pressure we have to send and how, and how, whether or not our back seven, back eight can, can
0: kind of handle it. Um, Well, to be honest with you, we may not get tested again like that until, I mean, Wake Forest is still going to put up points.
1: Yeah, Louisville actually has a top 20 offense. Yeah, I mean, they put up
0: 60-whatever on Wake Forest, uh, but then you got to throw South Carolina in there as long as uh, Olinsky isn't, um, his injury isn't so bad that he ends up being out for the year. you got to... I know they had a bad start to the year, but you got to give them some credit for beating Georgia, and that offense has improved uh, with Jake Jake Bentley being gone. Yeah. I mean,
1: take the name off. Ignore the uniform. Ignore the name of the helmet. Ignore the building you're playing in. Uh, I want this team to face challenging opponents, you know, through the rest of the year so that we know – so that that they can get, you know, the right type of reps and um, we can learn a little bit more about this team. So I do hope that we face some type of challenge from the passing game from either Louisville or Wake Forest. I think those are the, the two most likely haven't studied too much of North Carolina state um, thus far, but yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, South Carolina certainly could be that team.
0: I mean, we, yeah, it's, it's hard to come up with one uh, just because the schedule is so weak i I think in years past we've had more tests throughout the year um, than we're going to see this year um so it'll be interesting if we continue to to win games and move forward into the college football playoff what that that first playoff game looks like uh, considering we're not we just we're not going to be tested
1: yep um let's see one other thought from this
0: game let me let me um, say. i hope we don't get tested (laughs) (laughs) I don't want, I don't want to see another game like North Carolina.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think it's, it's just more a matter of, will an adjustment be necessary at some point in the game? Um, Or, you know, will guys kind of make a couple of mistakes early and and have to learn from them? Um, That would be the hope. I guess just, this is more a personnel housekeeping thing. looks like Mario Goodrich did not suit up and play. I think that's why you um, saw a little bit more from Mike Jones Jr. in this game. And uh, I, I guess that was a disciplinary issue. Dabo, it was a coach's decision not to play. Um, I think Jake Venables went out with an ankle, or I'm sorry, a hamstring strain. That's also what knocked T. Higgins out of the game. Uh, they call it minor, but, or mild. Who knows what that means? I think if if Clemson could get by without T against Louisville, I think that'd be probably be for the best. He can rest an extra week, but he may be good to go to suit up for that one. Um, that's obviously a lot bigger than, uh, Jake Venables, but, um, those are kind of the injury injury news coming out of this game.
0: Yeah. Frank Latson rolled his ankle as well, but, um, I think, I think they all seem to be minor Dabo commented on them tonight and thinks they'll all be ready to go for Louisville.
1: Um, and I guess like there weren't too many crazy penalties. I guess there were, were some, uh, unsportsmanlike conducts that just feels like a Florida state smack talking type of situation.
0: There were one or two, maybe just one false start, uh, by Cervenka, Um, if I believe so, that was obviously an issue in the North Carolina game. So good to see them kind of limit that in this game. Although, you know, let's see them go on the road to Louisville next week and, um, see how they uh, deal with a hostile crowd again.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so I guess through our six games so far, uh, the S P plus rankings came out today. Those rankings, if people follow them early on in the season, there's a lot of preseason predictions that factor into the weightings of how those are calculated. And as you get further into the season, it starts that preseason ranking It starts to get overtaken by your opponents that you play. It becomes a more opponent adjusted. I think by now they've basically removed all preseason rankings and it's very much about the schedule you've played and how you've played it and how you've beaten the teams you have Um, so anyway those numbers are updated through this week Clemson now has the seventh best defense in the country pretty stellar considering the talent lost to the draft last year basically five defensive linemen um, lineback a couple linebackers etc we all know who left Um, and then the offense is currently ranked 19th overall I think you know, there's a couple of thoughts on that. Number one, we know Clemson is definitely better than the 19th best offense, just talent-wise, what we've seen potential-wise. Um, Clemson plays a lot of guys. We rotate in you know, 80, 90, over 100 guys, depending on the opponent in the game. and SP Plus doesn't really define its garbage time as what Clemson does when Clemson chooses to swap out its starters. So. I think we're always going to kind of be underrated in those rankings Um, as well as I think you have seen a couple of games where the coaching, you know, just across the board, whether it be coaching or play from the players, like we're not seeing Clemson's best effort year to date. Um, If we have more games like Florida State, though, you're going to see both of those rankings jump up.
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting that you mentioned those numbers because I think you would have, ex- we would have thought or expected um, at this point in the season that our offense would be the fifth best and our defense would be the nineteenth best. So interesting to see that that's been flipped. Although I think we can expect to continue continue to see the offense rise. And I, I mean, I totally agree with you about, you know, we had one bad game against North Carolina, but all the other games we've we've handled people pretty well, and a few of those being blowouts and. Those could have been bigger blowouts, you know, for Nick Saban, Alabama, and we keep our starters in most of the game, just putting up points on people, then uh, how does that change the perception of Clemson uh, by the AT, AP voters and the rest of the college football pundits? Um, so I think that factors into their perception, just looking at box scores, maybe in the the final score, as opposed to really digging in deeper to how many people we play in the game. And, you know, even when the offense is playing well, um, they typically are shutting it down halfway through the third quarter.
1: Yeah. If not sooner, I mean, my goodness, uh, Chase Bryce was playing in the Syracuse game early, if I remember correctly. So, um, yeah, just, uh, it is what it is. I feel like it's obviously the the right strategy because one year ago we had some contributions in the playoff games, um, from guys that were getting reps earlier on in the season, Look no further than Justin Ross, um, to see his rise, you know, come, come through. He was not a factor in the, the early two, three, first two, three games of the year last year. So, um, I think, yeah, keep playing the depth who cares what SP is right now. Who cares what the AP ranking is who cares what Paul Feinbaum says or Joel Klatt or any of those guys. Um, it's just find the right, the right mix of players who in the right situations can plug in and make a big difference down the line.
0: Yeah. And, uh, bt potter could start hitting some field goals it would all really come <laughs> together nicely yeah
1: that was uh i guess that was really my only special teams note um i guess maybe other than um uh, kendrick learning when to and when not to signal a fair catch but yeah um bt potter as far as i could tell what happened or what i read he had not warmed up at all for that second field goal that he doinked or missed from like 15 yards out um And that's just what steamed Dabo big time. So uh, he's apparently been put into the second kicker position now, basically benched um, for Sawicki. So congrats to Sawicki. He's probably going to be pulling those duties. I would imagine at least for the first half against Louisville, we'll have to see, but
0: we'll see. We'll see how Potter responds during the week. I'm not, I'm not so sure that he's not, uh, that that he won't be the number one kicker coming out against Louisville.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of kind of national scorn for Dabo's sideline histrionics. And I just, I go back to like, number one, um, he does that. He's, what would Saban have done? You know what I mean? Like, I just don't know that people hold Dabo to the same standard as a lot of other coaches. Also, I mean, Dabo's doing it to hold his team accountable. He held the team accountable after the North Carolina game. You can read, and I recommend everyone to read, Grace Rayner, if you subscribe to the Athletic, which you should. Um, her piece talks about Dabo just dressing down at everyone on the team after the North Carolina game, like really getting personal with mistakes made and it's a signal of accountability from your head coach. And I, I think, I think Potter will respond well and I'm not surprised he did that. And I, I see no problem with it personally.
0: Yeah. Nobody's safe from that criticism. You heard ETN got it as well. Um, he they had to get heart, the the heart with him and you saw him improve this game coming out here. So Yep. And just hope the same for Potter because as it is right now, you know, I, I, you can't expect that we're going to run through a college football playoff and blow everybody out like we did last <laughs> year. That's not going to be the norm. Uh, so at some point, um, whether it's in the playoff or maybe even during the regular season, it's going to catch back up to us and come down to a field goal. So we need somebody out there that we can trust, that Dabo can trust, to be able to hit it.
1: Agreed. For sure. And it's just – it also, if a team knows you are not reliable there, like they play – it's just – it you get played slightly differently on defense and it changes how our offense feels and looks and, you know, the risks that they're willing to take. So um, look, we were all so bullish on Potter coming in. I think he's met expectations so far. This feels like just a, you know, kind of a lapse, a lapse. And he, I get it. We were like, the offense was rolling. He probably didn't think he was going to need to just lace them up and kick. So um, who knows? Anyway, hopefully uh, that'll be the last of that. Well, uh, I guess that covers this game, Ben. Any parting thoughts for the Florida State game? Kind of, the, we're at the midway point of the year. Um, I mean, I think we all thought we'd be six and zero at this point.
0: We're six. We're six and zero. The fun's in the winning. So let's just let's just keep doing that. We got the bounce back win that we needed, um, <laughs> and we say that like the North Carolina game was a loss. We got the bounce back blowout that I guess we needed to make us all feel good um and feel like we're pointing in the right direction obviously we didn't get that same respect from the uh from the national media and the ap poll but you know whatever you, like Dabo always says you can only control the things you control as long as we keep winning we'll be fine
1: yep couldn't agree more
0: um
1: well let's move on to talk very quickly about louisville and then it was a it was an action-packed week of college football let's start with the cardinals <laughs> Uh, so, Ben, Louisville, coming off of what I would call a resurgence season under first-year head coach Scott Satterfield, he moved up there from App State where he had a tremendous run as their head coach. Um, and, you know, again, he's largely working with Bobby Petrino's talent. Bobby Petrino, not a great recruiter at this stage of his career for the last one to two years. Um, really, Lamar Jackson was their claim to fame, and then after that it largely dropped off. They definitely had some solid kind of uh, – skill players and some secondary guys but um anyway satterfield's doing a great job he's a solid coach uh he's got their offense ranked 20th in the nation that being said their defense is 91st in the nation so uh, big win for them though this weekend i believe they were on the road at wake forest ben is uh right?
0: not sure
1: Okay. Anyway, they, they took down the Demon Deacons, who up until this point were undefeated, and they were ranked, they were, I think, in the they were nineteenth, either sixteenth or nineteenth, nineteenth, yeah, uh, which is a, a feat for Wake Forest. So uh, they are down and out. Louisville is on the rise, and um, texting a little bit with my brother over the weekend, and you know, I think the best thing that could have happened to Clemson was that Louisville beat Wake. So now we're not going to sleepwalk into this game. We know they're a legit opponent um i think wake is improving as well so uh they were definitely going to be on clemson's radar i think we're not going to kind of get get hoodwinked by this game let's hope
0: no and it's a very similar uh, type game as the north carolina game was and that game was at wake forest by the way um you know what a, number, right n- number one, what a wild game that was. Wake was down 52-31 to 31 with nine minutes left in the, in the fourth quarter and came back to actually make it a game, ultimately losing by three. Um, but I did not see Louisville doing that to Wake Forest. Uh, that being said, again, I, I my comparison to North Carolina is that you have two proven head coaches. You know, Satterfield not to the same level that Mack Brown was, obviously. But what he was able to do at ap- Appalachian state move them up into the FBS um, and have all the success that they've had under him and they're having this year. I think that's a reflection on him. Uh, so even though he goes into a school that maybe is the, the talent is kind of uh, you know, thin there, you know, Mac Brown's on the same thing in North Carolina, good coaching makes a big difference. And for that reason alone is why you should be worried about Louisville.
1: Agreed. And I, I think going back to what we talked about earlier with Florida state, like, we do want teams in the ACC to improve and Scott Satterfield is ultimately going to be a good hire. I, I believe uh, when he starts to get his system rolling, his talent, his guys in there, that's going to be a pesky opponent for Clemson, just like they were in the Lamar Jackson era um, immediately before that too. They always played us tough. I think we always had like one point victories at the very end of the games, even before Lamar was their quarterback. So um, I welcome it. I mean, again, good to have new blood, new coaches, new teams to watch that are exciting. Um, this coming week, again, we got to take that offense seriously. They just put up however many you said, 52 or in the 50s against Wake. Um, number 20 team, that's that's solid. That could be an interesting uh, matchup for our defense. Not as worried about their number 91st ranked defense, though. And I think that's just something where, again, you hope the players don't buy in too much to this beatdown of Florida State stay focused, stay hungry, come in and take care of business on the road.
0: Yeah, level. absolutely. Don't have a letdown. Just pick up where you left off against Florida State, and um, that's going to make all of us uh, happy and feel good about the prospects of this team moving forward. Uh, I don't. I, I think those letdowns against teams like North Carolina is a bit of anomaly, so I would not expect to see that happen again this coming weekend at, at Louisville. I think this team is going to be focused, especially after being knocked down to third in the polls. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Clemson comes
1: in only a 21-point favorite. I could see that number moving up. I think a lot of people are going to figure that out and move that move that line up. So get your money in now if you can, if you're, if you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> um, that's all I got on Louisville, Ben. I think we can pivot back to this past weekend. Um, pretty exciting weekend of football, even starting back on Thursday and Friday night with the, uh, the Virginia upset by Miami. Uh, again, with woe is the ACC right now. Losing two of its remaining ranked teams in Virginia and I'm sorry, Virginia and Wake Forest with their respective losses doesn't bode well for the Coastal. Uh, what a mess that is. I think North Carolina may be the class of that division, although Pitt is there. Pitt is Pitt. Pitt looms large. Um, I really don't want to play Pitt again. <laughs> I would, I think I, 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 don't, I don't know that I want to play North Carolina again either,
0: but well, I you. So it's, <clears throat> I kind of do want to play North Carolina again because I think you want to make a statement and and it kind of uh, make up for um, your faults earlier in the season and kind of the letdown that North Carolina was. So I'd be perfectly fine. Pitt's just not a f- entertaining game. Um, yeah. Although I don't really think anybody. Maybe Virginia would be an entertaining game because we don't play them all that much, and uh, Bryce Perkins is a good quarterback.
1: Yeah, I'd rather face the good quarterback. Like, let's face whatever team has the best, best quarterback, best that's chance of. That's North Carolina. Up yeah, Sam Howell. Okay, that's right. Well, that that game when they play will be very telling, very interesting, um, and it may well decide that division. Uh, so anyway, that all went on Friday night. Um, but the real big thing about is, of course, South Carolina, Georgia. Ben, were you watching this game
0: live? Yeah, it's the worst. It's I mean, it was a t- terribly coached game, like very poorly coached game. Um, and we've seen this out of Kirby Smart before. Uh, you said it earlier that Will Muschamp tried himself to be outcoached, um, but Kirby Smart wouldn't let him. Um, you know, yeah. Georgia, Georgia, Georgia turned the ball over four times in this game. From looked pedestrian. And it was – and just the, the SEC, like, oh, my God, like the announcers on TV – uh, at one point compared from to Patrick Mahomes and how he's able to bounce back and lead his team late in the fourth quarter. I'm like, shut up. Like, don't yeah. bring Patrick Mahomes into this conversation.
1: Well, they, were, they were lauding Fromm for making a read and, and being able to understand where his second read was.
0: Oh, that's like, what they kept saying, that he was the best quarterback in the country at, at, at his reads and just his knowledge of the game. I mentioned that several times about him being the best quarterback in the country That It's like, shut up. No, he's not.
1: Yeah, um, I think they're covering up for Kirby Smart running Justin Fields off uh, personally. But anyway, uh, Georgia could not get by South Carolina despite South Carolina rolling with its third-string quarterback in this game and despite South Carolina missing two field goals. Uh, one of those was very ill-advised that they even took the field goal. I feel like South Carolina either should have gone for it on fourth down to try to improve their chances of winning the game or punted deep, don't give Georgia the chance. Um, Pretty shocking, though, to see Rodrigo Blankenship miss a kick. I feel like this was one of those days that could things could not have gone worse for Georgia. That's really that was just the cherry on top for them
0: at home, no less between the hedges.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, uh, what's crazy is that type of loss, that bad of a loss, is not going to eliminate Georgia from playoff contention. That being said, you look at their performance against Notre Dame. You look at their performance against Tennessee in the first half. And then this one against South Carolina, Ben, I don't think they're going to be, they're not going to run the table. I don't think they will be able to get past Florida, Auburn, and then the winner of the SEC West, which could be, you know, Alabama or LSU, obviously, or a rematch with Auburn.
0: I just don't see that happening. So, two lost Georgia, they're eliminated. Well, hell, I mean, Missouri could beat them. Kelly Bryant and Missouri could beat them.
1: Yeah, that's gonna be interesting. Um, how do you know is Kelly Bryant back? I, I know he, he suffered or he left the game with something going on with his knee. No, last he, week.
0: No, he was. He had a, about 330 passing yards in the game against uh, their win against Ole Miss this weekend. So, hey, Missouri's five and one, tied for the lead in the SEC East, ranked number 22 in the AP poll. Kudos to uh, to the team oh, yeah, and uh, to Kelly Bryant. I guess that's the
1: that's the horse we should be backing <laughs> uh, for the most part. It's our guy Kelly, but yeah, terrible result for Georgia. Um, great result for Clemson fans. I think those of us that dread and fear the SEC getting two teams in, I actually feel like. Um, and Alex Kraft tweeted about this: uh, a Georgia team that figures it out would be a very tough out for Clemson um, with their offensive line and their running game and the talent they have on defense. I just don't know if they're gonna if it's gonna click for Georgia. Be able to have them figure it out. But even more importantly for Clemson, I think this is the galvanizing win that Will Muschamp was looking for that may see him extended as head coach of the Gamecocks.
0: Yes. Good news. Well, so that's good news. I think what we were deprived of was seeing what the pollsters would have done with Georgia had they pulled out a close victory at home against South Carolina. Um, So we didn't get to see that happen, but we we did get a, a read on what type of football team Georgia is. And it's, Uh, an above-average team at best right now, probably. And it kind of takes some of the... You know, everybody gave Notre Dame a lot of credit for sticking in there with them uh, a few weeks ago. But now, how does that look? So,
1: yeah, Yeah. just
0: this is an underachieving Georgia team. It's funny. uh, I read
1: a tweet this morning. They're basically, under their first three or four seasons with Kirby, it's mirroring the Mark Richt era, like, perfectly. There's basically, like, in the first year, like, this... Kirby Smart, Georgia team had one more win. than Mark Rick did in his first year. But everything else is identical. Uh, so yeah, good thing you ran off Mark Richt to hire this guy. That's what they get. That's right. Couldn't couldn't um, couldn't happen to a better bunch. So Bama let Kellen Mond and Texas AM and run a bunch of plays on them, score a lot of points. Bama's defense looks pretty suspect so far. I think it's going to be really interesting to see that matchup against. Uh, some more capable offenses than they have thus far. Uh, but Bama's offense continues to just grind things out, and especially in the passing game, uh, put up a lot of points and a lot of yards. Uh, it, clearly, the passing game has been the focus there. That must be something that Steve Sarkeesian has prioritized as their offense coordinator. Uh, I have yet to watch a full Bama game just because they don't really play that compelling of an opponent. And then this week against AM, they were overlapping with our game, but um, also would like to see what we would expect out of their running game. Um, they lo- they lost a couple of their best uh, running backs this past year to the draft. So um, they, I think they had a backup center starting this week that might have impacted things. But in general, I just think with Alabama's defense doing what they're doing, they don't scare me as much as most
0: years. No, they gave up twenty-three to South Carolina, 31 to Old Miss, and now 28 to Texas AM. And you know, you can say, yeah, well, they're putting up points, but who are they playing, right? what is the strength of the defenses that they're playing? Their three uh their three SEC opponents, South Carolina, Old Miss and Texas A and M don't have great defenses by any stretch of the imagination. And it's interesting the two top. The two top teams in the SEC, Alabama and LSU, both not particularly great on defense this year.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy.
0: Um, it,
1: that matchup's going to be awesome. I feel like there might be also a misstep for one of those teams throughout with somebody like a Mississippi State uh, or for an LSU's case. I mean, yeah, they still have to play a as well, I think. But um, in any event,
0: yeah, that's going to be None of, none of the teams from the state of Mississippi are going to uh, give LSU or Alabama any trouble, I think. Um, but that Alabama-LSU game is going to be pretty epic. Yeah, for sure. Um, we, will,
1: we will be covering that one. We will be uh, hearing plenty about that, I'm sure. Can't escape it. Um, but how about that LSU nightcap against Florida? I mean, that was, a, that was a very exciting game. Did not feel or look like an SEC game or a traditional SEC game. Uh, really i was impressed i came away you, you kind of want to mention some games past where you see the losing team actually impress you like notre dame against georgia this year like clemson against alabama in the first year uh that was florida for me i feel like after that auburn game i wasn't sure how legit they were i watched them against miami they did not look great and uh trask really stuck in there and held his own again i don't think lsu's got a tremendous defense uh, to the caliber that they've had in recent years, but they definitely have talent and put put Trask in some pressure situations, and he seemed to excel through those. Just had a very untimely end zone pick, um, and then they couldn't punch it at the very end. Uh, so that's that's what led LSU going up by two scores. But uh, Florida is a great defense, and I don't think LSU had a single sack in that game or allowed a single sack in that game. So indicates to me that LSU's O line is very legit. Joe Burrow is amazing. Um, and lsu's got some stud receivers um, i didn't really see much out of their running game and just when i think about match up matching up against clemson um, if, if the running game is not something that's central to the lsu attack and we know that's something that is a relative weakness of clemson then it becomes strength on strength with the passing game and the passing defense um, i like our chances there with brent venables and then on the other side of the field uh, trask gave lsu a game trevor lawrence leagues ahead of Trask
0: yeah well listen though LSU is legit they had over 500 yards of total offense in the game they were very balanced over 200 yards rushing and Joe Burrow has continued to play really well so um, credit where credit is due you mentioned it earlier that perhaps they should be the number one team in the country if we're going off off a resume and I I would tend to agree with you yeah Um, but I, I am interested to see how Florida ends up the season I'm less sold on them being a uh, a really good football team. Uh, I'll give credit to their defense, but unsure about their offense with Trask. Let's see them kind of come back down to earth after this game. LSU doesn't have the greatest defense in the world. Yep. Um, so for them to only drop two spots in this poll is kind of laughable to me. Uh, Clemson wins a game by whatever 31 points and drops one spot. Which was really more of LSU jumping us than anything else. But then Florida loses by two touchdowns only drops two spots. That's a bit of a head-scratcher to me. I don't get the logic there.
1: Yeah, it's you know what it is. That's easy bias. Yeah. Um, yeah,
0: LSU did have over
1: 200 yards rushing. I think they got like 80 yards on a single play. But either way, and they they're just passing the ball. It's kind of what their offensive identity is. So nothing really to look into there, but it'll just be something just so funny at school that like you just think about like the Leonard Fournette years Um, and they do have a Fournette on this team I believe his name is Leonard Fournette uh, which is incredible but yeah LSU is legit you said it so it will be interesting to see if they finish undefeated in the SEC West or drop one to Bama or drop another game but they're definitely going to be in the conversation all the way through the end. Uh that was kind of that was kind of it Ben in terms
0: of games over the weekend that really drew my eye like Wisconsin Yeah, oh, yeah, Oklahoma Texas. Oh yeah, that I, one. I and mean, we got to see Oklahoma actually play a, a team with a pulse. Um and Jalen Hurts continued to to dominate over 230 yards passing to three touchdowns in this game, 131 yards on the ground with a touchdown. He's really doing it with uh both his legs and through the air. Um They held Texas to just over 310 total yards of offense, so I think their defense played better than that 27 points by Texas indicates. Uh, But the Big 12 can't tackle, which still leaves me uh, with some questions about Oklahoma. I think that they've got a pretty easy schedule from here on out has a very good chance of going undefeated. I think they have a high likelihood of bending up in the college football playoff. Um, but it could be like recent years, you know, they're just one of those teams that comes in and is a little bit overrated and gets blown out, but we'll have to see.
1: Yeah, and we've played Jalen Hurts twice. Um, granted, it was not with Lincoln Riley calling the plays. He's definitely developed as a passer and as a kind of as a complete quarterback. But that being said, I'll take my chances with Venables against Jalen Hurts for a third time. Um, yeah, I welcome OU as either a as a semifinal or as a final opponent for us, probably more so than LSU, if I'm being honest.
0: And so you mentioned you started to bring up Wisconsin. What's your take on them? Um, you know, they they wiped the floor with Michigan State this weekend, beating them 38 to nothing. Um, uh, yeah, holding them to only 119 yards of offense. Four of their of Wisconsin's six games this year have been shutouts. They're beating teams an average of 43 to five. So
1: similarly to bama lsu you can kind of question a little bit the validity of their schedule this far and their opponents the good news is and same with ohio state like the same thing in the sec west is going to happen in the big 10 where you're going to have those two teams match up uh so the good news is we're going to find out how legit they are pretty soon here when they go to columbus and play ohio state that's going to be another one you circle and definitely it's appointment viewing uh, but I'm in. I'm in on Wisconsin. I I don't necessarily think they're a top four team necessarily, but I do think that they can take at least one of those games from Ohio State, assuming that they would rematch in the Big Ten championship game. Uh, so I don't know. Like, are they are they going to be close to shutting out a top ten opponent? I don't think so. Uh, but they definitely are taking care of business, and
0: I don't know. It, yeah, good. well, they've got the defense. They've got the defense so far. They've got Jonathan Taylor, the running back. Uh, they do finish the schedule, or the, sorry, the season with a, a bit of a tough schedule. They've they're at Ohio State, and then back home versus Iowa, and then they finish off the season on a road at a 20th-ranked Minnesota team, mm-hmm. and then you know we'll see if you know how the Big Ten championship games ends up playing out. But you got to circle that that Ohio state game for them in a couple weeks, that's going to be the one that tells us what we need to know about both of those teams.
1: Exactly. So, uh, so for now though, I would placeholder Wisconsin as like a potential playoff contender here. And um, I won't say they're fun to watch cause they're really not. I watched part of the Michigan game when they played them. And then I think I was waiting for our game to start when the Northwestern Wisconsin game was on and that was God awful. And they were wearing like khaki pants too. It was terrible. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I think Wisconsin's fine. Let's we'll see.
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I tend to think it's going to play out like it has in years past. So I mean, Ohio State I think is a pretty good football team. So yeah. win or lose that game for Ohio State, it's going to be telling to us. We're going to learn a lot about uh, both. Yeah, like I said, both these teams.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I do like that Ohio State's going to be forced to, you know, put Justin Fields out there against what appears to be a really stout defense, and then um, we'll see how Ohio state can do against how their defense can do against a good running attack too. So I'm as much happy that Wisconsin is going to be a legit foe for Ohio state as I am just happy to see a good football game.
0: Yeah. And so speaking of the big 12, you got Penn state who's up uh, pretty high in the rankings at this point too with their, win. they just beat Iowa over the weekend, 17, 17 to 12, what's your take on them? How legit do you think they are? I, I have honestly not paid attention to them at
1: all i think that james franklin has improved the talent caliber of that team uh but just whenever it seems like every time they play ohio state or someone uh, someone that is in that elite tier they just cannot get they cannot put all the plays together to get get over the hump until i see it from penn state i'm not a not a believer not buying it but i actually haven't really studied this iteration of their team too much to know how they would match up potentially. So.
0: Well, they get to play Ohio State on the road. They, they're at Minnesota as well, um, and then coming up this weekend at home versus Michigan. So no, they haven't played an extremely tough schedule so far. The game against Maryland beating them 15, 59 to nothing is you don't know how to take that because Maryland's been so kind of psychotic this year. Yeah. Um, but listen, playing, playing uh, at Iowa is not an easy thing to do, and they pulled out of there with a victory.
1: Yeah, it's I mean it, if I'm going to throw a team out there that I have more faith in than Penn State to complete its schedule, put itself in a position for the playoff, I'm going to go all the way out to the Pac-12 and talk about Oregon. I think Oregon's defense is one of the elite units in the country. Um, watch their Cal game. Their offense could not really get it going. Cal was very pesky on D, uh, but Oregon's defense just really held and didn't let um, didn't let the game get away from them and kept them in that game and They held their own against Auburn, and I think Auburn is one of those psychotic kind of uh, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type teams, as they always are. Um, And Oregon really stuck in there against Auburn um, on the defensive side. The Pac-12 is just such an afterthought right now based on how many losses um, brand-name teams like USC and Washington have sustained so far. Um, And then Utah, who we all thought was a potential dark horse, they've also sustained some losses. So Um, I think Oregon is probably a quiet dark horse at this point and they've got the one loss already to Auburn. So no margin for error, but I trust them a whole lot more than I do a Penn state team to kind of win out on its schedule.
0: Yeah. And Oregon can certainly sneak their way in there. A loss to Auburn is not at the beginning of the season is not going to look terrible at the end of the year, Um, but they're going to need to win out, including winning a PAC 12 championship and get some help from some of the other teams at the top. Yeah, for sure. I think they're
1: going to kind of hover around the lake, six seven eight range at best and and hope for just attrition everywhere else but um i think they're going to need help to your point to finally get over the hump
0: yeah and i mean kind of like us the the schedule is uh nothing um to write home about they left on their schedule they're at number 25 washington at number 17 arizona state but That's really about it. I think what they're going to have to hang their hat on is for Utah to keep winning um, and possibly be a one-loss team as well going into a Pac-12 championship game. And then there will be some legitimacy behind a win there.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think Utah can do it, um, meaning finish its schedule out as they need to. They always lose the USC, and as they did this year. But, um, yeah, Utah should be able to clean up that Pac-12 South. Um, I think that, to your point, the Arizona schools are kind of pesky and right there. Um, so anyway, that'll, that'll be interesting to see how the Pac-12 plays out. Um, the last team I wanted to ask you about, Ben, was Notre Dame. So they, uh, kind of let USC hang around in their, their respective game this past weekend. That's a rivalry game. I think USC is an enigma. They're very talented, not very well coached, uh, but they can still show up on a given day and beat you. Uh, Notre Dame, I think earlier in the year, we gave them a lot of credit for keeping it close at Georgia. Um. Uh, Georgia maybe that that performance this weekend takes some shine off that Notre Dame loss but I don't know I feel like if they the rest of their schedule is completely manageable um, they could be right there And if you're an Oregon team I just I, I could see Notre Dame getting it
0: over Oregon even uh, it's it's hard to say that I think Notre Dame is obviously um at a disadvantage uh, with one loss because they don't have a conference championship uh, game to play in. And also because they're kind of subjected to at least partially. So the same weak ACC slate that, you know, the rest of us in the ACC are. Yeah, it's true. Um, I mean, what would their best win be? Uh, They beat beat Virginia 35 to 20. So that's, that's it so far. And as far as teams left on the schedule, Um, they have at, they're at Michigan here in a couple weeks. If Michigan loses next week to Penn state, they're probably not going to be ranked. And then as far as ACC teams go, you got Virginia tech, Duke and Boston college, Stanford's not as good as they usually are this year. Um, Navy could always sneak up on them. So I think, I, I think there's a long way to go for Notre Dame. Yeah. To be honest with
1: you. Yeah. With the one loss, I think you're right. I mean, an undefeated Notre Dame, even if they do have a soft schedule, they'd still be undefeated. That's interesting, but they're not Georgia will continue to lose. I think so. That loss is going to look worse. Um, yeah, I think you're right. It's At this point, it's going to be tough sledding for both Oregon and Notre Dame. Oregon can add quality wins that I don't think Notre Dame will be able to. So I guess I retract my previous statement. Notre Dame just yeah, not the, got the brand name power.
0: That was the only thing. Yeah, I think honestly, unless you're um, uh, an SEC team or a big 10 team this year that won losses – gonna be tough somewhat tough to overcome if you don't have a lot of other teams near the top losing as well you know is this the year where we have three undefeated teams again going to the playoff like we did last year or is it like years past where there's only one undefeated team you know that those things change there's never been four undefeated teams in the college football playoff so um just based on that alone you tend to think that there are going there's a lot of losses left out there for a lot of these teams but you never know how it's going to turn out i mean could Alabama go undefeated? Absolutely. Could Ohio State and Oklahoma? Absolutely. Could Clemson? Absolutely. Like there's a very good chance you get those four undefeated teams in.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um any games coming up this weekend, Ben, that are
0: drawing your eye? Uh f- speaking of Florida, Florida at South Carolina, I think that's gonna be be a big one. It'll be interesting to see if is back out there and how South Carolina bounces back and likewise how Florida bounces back. Um He's talked about Oregon. They've got Washington. I'll be interested to see how Georgia follows up playing at home against Kentucky. And then we mentioned Penn State and Michigan earlier. Um, but then, you know, kind of an under the radar game. I think uh, out of all the ACC teams here, from from here on out, AC, uh, UNC. I've got my eye on them. They play at Virginia Tech coming up this weekend.
1: Yeah, and then. I- Talk about a bounce back you got Florida State going up to wake so wakes a three point favorite. Um, unfortunately that's on the ACC network, so I'm not going to be watching that but um, yeah just to continue to get comparison data points uh, for the Wake Forest team uh, that we will face in a few weeks here, just to see how Florida State bounces back to Um
0: Yeah. Yeah. I kind of don't care about Florida state anymore. So it's really just all about what what Wake Forest is moving forward and how they're going to look coming into that game. Exactly. Uh,
1: The only other ranked matchup nationally is going to be ASU at Utah. Uh, So again, we talked a little bit about implications there for the Pac-12, but really that is only important for setting up what could be a quality matchup for Oregon's playoff chances. Uh, I think Washington's pretty much eliminated. They got two losses. So um, it's really, really all about Oregon. So yeah, that Oregon Washington game will be interesting uh, coming up this coming weekend. But yeah, don't really, not too many other compelling games. A little bit of a, usually those are the weeks that creep up on you and can be extra exciting. Let's hope that's not because that doesn't happen to Clemson. Um, and I guess we got a noon kickoff on the East Coast, so nine o'clock for us, Ben.
0: First 9 a.m. game of the year. Um, we're going to have to dust off the mimosas, uh, mimosa pitchers, and get at it bright and early.
1: Sounds good. I'm going to be down in Southern California. But, yeah, I'm, I wake up at 5 a.m. anyway with kids, so I'll, I'll be rare to go for that, that kickoff.
0: I woke up at 10 a.m. this morning. <laughs> awesome. Jealous.
1: <laughs> um, cool. Well, that's all we got. Um, I guess we're going to do a Louisville recap episode. Um, no interviews on the horizon, though certainly those can crop up at any given time. So we will look forward to getting somebody, some of our friends back on the pod. Um, before Sam moves out of here, we should definitely try to get him on for one last hurrah event. And, yep. um, and dig up Cody. I really appreciate you guys covering for the podcast exclusively the last, what, three, four games. Uh, so good job to you guys.
0: Um, feels good. Well, it back. was good. Get- yeah, it was getting a little boring until that North Carolina game, so there was kind of a silver lining to to North Carolina's that we had something more interesting to talk about. I agree. Um, we were we were prepared to talk about the Braves. <laughs> just
1: okay, another ho hum win. Just to just to yeah. just to fill
0: just to fill the air. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I won't mention what happened to the Braves. Um, give you some yeah, time to recover uh, from that one, but um, anyway, thank you to everyone for tuning in. It's been a great season so far. Um, obviously, a lot of not really seeing the best of Clemson show itself yet, but there's a lot of signs of optimism. Things are moving in the right direction. So uh, I'm really excited for the second half of the year, see how things shake out on the coastal side, see, we can see who we might play in that ACC championship game. That one's back in Charlotte, right, Ben? Correct. Awesome. So uh, driving distance, kind of a backyard game yet again uh for clemson but uh, yeah just uh continue to expect these weekly recasts on the podcast maybe an interview here and there you know where to find us on social media and for subscribing to the show at this point i think what would be most helpful is continuing to tell a friend about the show and if you have not yet done so please get over to itunes and leave us a review it's a great way for other people to find us is through reviews and how our show is surfaced for people looking for clemson so, appreciate that. Appreciate everybody engaging with us uh, week in, week out on those platforms. And, uh, you know, again, we, we really like doing the show for y'all, so feel free to continue to engage with us. Let us know what topics you want us to hit in these game recaps. Anything else, Ben?
0: Nope, uh, just 6-0, and oh, on to the next one.
1: That's right, on to Louisville. Uh, for all those going up, you got any advice and have
0: you been to games there? Uh, Louisville fans are great. I would definitely hit some distilleries. You, you got to do the distilleries in the area. Um, the Bullet Distillery is a good one. I think I went to Buffalo Trace.
1: I really liked um, Maker's
0: Mark, and then I
1: really liked Willett. We went to there as well. So, yeah. thumbs up on those. Maker's, you might be like, oh, it's the most like brand. You know, it's the most established brand, but really cool facility. I liked it.
0: Well, and then go see a go see a, a pony race at Churchill Downs if they've got one going on the the, the Sunday after.
1: It's right next door, right?
0: To Cardinal Stadium. Uh, not right next door, but it's uh, they're close. Yeah. within within viewing distance. Yeah. Sure. Exactly. With a walk or a stumble. Maybe not either of those in that neighborhood, but yeah. from what I hear.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: All right. Take an Uber.
1: Well, well, be safe. Have fun. Get a get an Uber wherever you go, so you can enjoy the bourbon, whatever whatever else you find there. Um, and yeah, let's wrap it up there. Thank you to everybody. As always,
0: go Tigers.